Hey, I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Welcome, everybody. We got some really special guests. Um, an old friend, Judd Friedman, who has uh, he's got multiple Oscar, Grammy, and Golden Globe nominations for songs like Run to You by Whitney Houston from the Bodyguard film, hits with Kenny Loggins, James Ingram, which is one of my, I just found out in your press kit that you wrote, I Don't Have the Heart. I had not remembered that, I guess, but that that's one oh, of my Alan and I, yeah. Yeah, favorite you. songs. Great song. He's, so he's done all kinds of things, had uh, cuts with all kinds of different people. Now he teaches at Los Angeles College of Music. And we have Jamil Roberts, J-Proof Roberts, uh, who is a songwriter, composer, arranger, producer, educator, and instrumentalist. He also teaches at Los Angeles College of Music. Um, he's had hits with Ariana Grande, with Usher, um, and now has done work on Lizzo's Christmas song. That I get, I'm assuming that's out right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's out now. Awesome, very cool. Well, welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Let's let's talk, Judd, just a minute about the the 30th anniversary of the Bodyguard uh, soundtrack. Tell me about that. There's been a lot of hoopla, a lot of Whitney in the air these days, which is so nice because she was so special. It was such an incredible experience working on that record, as you can imagine. And uh, you know, we're, I mean, obviously Jamil has been down this route as well, I and mean, we've we've both been blessed to work with some incredible artists and uh, incredible singers. You know, but when I think about Whitney, I think about it's kind of a gamut. You know, Jamil, Marty. It's like some of them maybe not the best singers it's a lot of work to make them sound okay and then you get <laughs> go all the way to you know very good extremely good great she was really in kind of her own ballpark i mean i've never worked with anybody like that i mean she just yeah. she just when i'm making the record with her she kept saying john am i singing this right and it was kind of like <laughs> you know every mistake was amazing it's kind of like well you know it's not quite the way i wrote it but I, you know, I, I loved it anyway. So, you know, it's it, it's yeah. it's really exciting that there's a lot of uh, going on with it right now. We've been doing a lot of interviews about Run To, the writing of it and the making the record and working with her. And uh, it's been a lot of fun and they're all over the place. And of course, the new movie's coming out as well. And they're using our song in that too. The movie uh, is called uh, I Want to Dance With Somebody about Whitney's Life, a bio movie, uh, which is, it's not a documentary. It's a narrative film. And she's, it's coming out, I think, uh, about a week. 20th 21st i think so so it's been really That's fun. awesome yeah really and fun. i think i saw you uh, you alluded to it but i think i saw in the, one of the a video that um she actually had you come in the studio and teach her how to sing it is that correct well uh, teach is maybe an overstatement for somebody that you know, <laughs> incredibly gifted but but she was so humble um she, she walked in sat down right next to me and said show me how to sing the song and i mean she knew how to sing the song <laughs> She's Whitney Houston, but we spent a half an hour going line by line through the lyrics. because I think she really wanted the songwriters and, and I was kind of co-producing co it with David, although I, I got an arrangement credit, not a production credit. It was very generous of him to give me even that. Um, but she wanted my perspective as the creator of the song, kind of just walking her through the emotional journey of the song. And then when she was singing it, she she would ask me, as I said, is, is that right? And then you've got this whole studio filled with all of her peeps, Kevin Costner and all his peeps, the head of the record company, the head of the film company, you know, it was this big party going on and everybody, all of their heads would go like this, looking at me like, what do you say to that? So, uh -huh. but yeah, so I, I, I was working on the vocal with her. Yes. 
that's that's a songwriter's dream. I mean, when I'm when I'm writing with a great singer, I feel like, well, try this. What what if we did this? You know, let's let's do this crazy thing. You know, just to yeah. kind of it's like a new toy that you have to play with. It's awesome. Yeah. And she was just a pleasure to work with. You know how some some artists kind of fight you in the studio. It's kind of like, well, why'd you ask me to produce you? What are you? What am I doing? It's kind of like, they're like. What was wrong with that take? Well, you know, you sang it out of tune, you messed up the lyric, there was no emotion, but other than that, it was great. But, you know, it's kind of like, she was just, how can I make this great? What else yeah. can I do? You know, this is such a gift to work with. Her. That's that's awesome. Very special. Jamil, talk to me about Lizzo Christmas record. Oh, man. Uh, so the, the record that we actually put out is, uh, you know, it's, well, for me, in my lifetime, my personal sort of like taste stevie wonder is the greatest song oh. ever you know what i mean so don't tell me you work with him man come on i'm getting <laughs> no, <up. laughs> i wish <laughs> no. i can't but, be uh, on the zoom with you i'm not worthy if you work with stevie yeah I'm sorry. i wish yeah but the record that we put out was a cover of stevie's oh. classic christmas song someday at christmas oh. um and so you know i spent most of the summer because originally it was supposed to we, we really we literally worked on an entire christmas album and oh. so we did, man, we did, it was, it ran the gamut. Like, you know, there was stuff that was like more hip hop oriented where we sampled like old Christmas songs. Uh, so cool. I arranged like two big band songs for her, uh, like some wow. old classics, like the K-Star, uh, uh, not the, what's the K-Star? Uh, the Man with the Bag, yeah. uh, the old Louis, Louis Armstrong, is that you Santa Claus? And we, we got, we recorded those. Um, awesome. And then, you know, she wanted to do the, the Stevie cover. So we we uh, we sat down and we did that. I went to her house in uh, in the hills in like July, and I just sat down with her and just tried to sit down and just find some keys that were good for her, like what key she wanted to sing some of these mm -hmm. these tunes in. And um, that was a blast. She's she's such a blast to work with, and uh, you know I had a I had a blast just like I pretty much you know just free range to like really arrange arrange things. The Stevie, I kind of kept it like just kind of classic. I wanted to kind of hold true to the to the original. So, you know, I did the whole, I played all of the, you know, all the key keyboard sounds and arranged the strings and everything. It was just a blast to work with her, you know? Awesome, man. How did you get involved with that project? Oh man, a buddy of mine that I've been working with for maybe like 10 to 12 years now, uh, Andrew Wanzell is a producer. And, uh, you know, we did some of our first work with like Nicki Minaj um really back in the day and I did a record with him one of my first Grammy nominations we did a, a record for Usher called Good Kisser it was like the best R&B nomination so uh Andrew like Pop look on Pop is his, his, his producer uh, tag but Pop has been a, a great uh peer of mine and we've worked for so many years and he's a great great producer so it's always a pleasure when he yeah he brings me into you know, kind of awesome he's a new guy Fun stuff. Well, let's talk about teaching. So we all three teach. Um, I, I've had people tell me in kind of an elitist way, well, you can't teach songwriting. You know, it's, some people have the gift and some don't. And I say, well, if you heard my early songs, you would feel otherwise <laughs> because my, my early songs were bad. And, and I had a mentor that taught me how to write commercial songs, you know, and how to write songs that connect with people. So what what made each of you, we can start with you, uh, Judd, what made you want to get into teaching? I love teaching. 
I, I've uh, always kind of done teaching in some way, shape, or form in various subject areas, even back in college and law school. That's, oh, I shouldn't be telling you guys that I have a law degree also, but I did teaching there too. It's, I just love the light that comes into people's eyes when they kind of get something that they didn't get before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh, moment, you know, and I love giving back. Um, I wouldn't be teaching. I've heard that too, that I agree with you, that elitist comment. I think there's a tiny kernel of truth in it. Um, if you can't become Stevie Wonder unless you're Stevie Wonder, yeah, uh, and you can't become Lennon McCartney unless you're Lennon McCartney, you have you, you, there's a gift element, uh, absolutely. There's a gift. I mean, all three of us here had were born with something inside of us which we might not have pursued, but we did. And and then after you've got that little kernel of talent, then you work like a maniac and, and you take it to the, to the limit if possible. Um, but but I truly believe that um, a lot of people have that kernel. And a lot of people have the potential that hasn't been unlocked yet, and they just don't quite get it. You know? And even if I can take somebody from a two to a three on the scale and they can continue their journey after me with other people, I'm happy. If I can take them from an eight to a nine, my goal is always just to try to make the songwriter the best songwriter they can possibly be, whatever the level of talent is to begin with, and to make their songs the best they can possibly be. And best is such a relative term. The first thing I say to in every class, I don't know if you guys do this too, but first thing I say in every interaction, I also do a lot of workshops online, private workshops, and I'm about to do one in Spain, actually, and for the first time in a couple of years, because there was this little pandemic thing. I don't know if you guys have heard. But yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah. Doing them all, yeah, you heard about that? I was doing them all over the world, and now I'm, we're going to do another workshop, I hope, in Spain. But the first thing I see in all these things is, excuse my French here, Marty, I don't know if we, we're going to have to bleep this out, but opinions are like oh, We can do it. Okay, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And my opinion is just one more. There's no right or wrong in any creative process, in my opinion. You know, So I'm just giving you the benefit of, if there is a benefit, to my of my years of experience and my subjective take on what you're giving me from the perspective of what I do and what I think makes a really good song and what makes a song, whether it's good or bad, that hopefully can break through the digital noise. So it's always about the artist and the songwriter, him or herself or themselves. Um, they have to make the ultimate decision. If they can take some something from what I have to offer, then I'm thrilled. And if not, that's okay too. You know, but I love giving back. I always have. So it's a it's a pleasure for me. And I learn just as much from these guys as as they do for me. Oh, I do too. I get so much from them. You know, I kind of makes me think about okay, what why does that song work? Why doesn't that song work? And also they'll bring stuff to me. I don't know about you guys, but we're also busy kind of making stuff. Sometimes we miss some of the stuff that's bubbling under, and they'll go, Hey man, have you heard that song? And I'm like, uh oh, no, I haven't heard it. Play it for me, you know. So then I'm out there catching up through these guys. So yeah, absolutely. I had a, um, one of my peers who had told me one time he didn't feel like you could teach songwriting. Uh, called me one day and he said, "You know, I was out taking golf lessons yesterday, and I thought, you know, this guy is not. He can't guarantee that I'll be on the PGA tour, but he's making me enjoy golf more, absolutely. and he's making me better." And, he's, and he said, I finally got it that uh, I can, if I can help people enjoy songwriting more and I can help them be better than they are now, I'm doing a good service, you know? Oh, man. That, that's, and I don't teach in any conventional way. Like I'm not interested in, and there's nothing wrong with this at all. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is a verse, this is a chorus. There has to be a structure this, because I don't believe any of that stuff. Not that those terminologies aren't really important in communicating between songwriters. Right. I just listen to people's stuff and comment on it. That's the way I prefer to teach. Yeah. And work with them because those are the most important songs to them, their own songs, you know. Let's see Absolutely. what we can bring to your party. So Jamil, how did you get roped into teaching? 
roped in. <laughs> roped in. Um, you know, to be quite honest, maybe it's, you know, my father was sort of my first educator. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, a very intelligent person. But I think for me, it was like, you know, both of my parents are Caribbean immigrants. And, uh, you know, music and songwriting, you know, isn't the first choice for, you know, their, their kids when they, they kind of came <laughs> to this country. And so uh -huh. for me, there was a lot of struggle with trying to find uh, outlets to learn. You know, I would be at church and like trying to grab onto the coattails of the musicians and, and, and the, the choir directors and like teach me that. And I never really found that anybody would really give me that education, you know? And so I always sort of bowed when I got a little bit older and I, you know, kind of, you know, gained some knowledge that I would always kind of give back. And I really enjoy educating her. I really do. You know, it's something that's like, it's important to me. Um, and, you know, I kind of approach it from, you know, at my core, I'm a jazz musician. That's sort of my first genre of discipline. And so jazz is like about improvisation, right? And I feel like most people think that jazz musicians are just making stuff up out of their mind, right? But it's not the case. I, I'd say like 90% of it is like the things that we learn, like the input, uh, licks, motifs, scales, vocabulary, right? And then the 10% is that that's that magic, that's that creativity that they kind of, that you just put it all together, right? I feel as, as for me, at least creatives are just, we're just taking things that we've kind of inputted and putting them together in our own kind of special way. So when I teach, I kind of look at and I tell my students, I can't give you creativity. Like your magic is your own, right? I can just support you. And maybe we can talk a little bit about the craft and, and, and just, you know, why some things might work and, you know, why, why things, you know, how things may, may go. I love analysis and just kind of looking at the greats and looking at their songs and just seeing why they work. And so that's how I kind of approach teaching songwriting is just, you know, let's take a look at what you're doing um, and just, you know, amplify and enhance like what, what it is that you do creatively just through, you know, taking a look at craft and what works. That's you know, great. picking up on something you said, Jamil, we're so lucky. I mean, these kids now, I mean, are so lucky and we're so lucky to have a hand in it because when we were coming up, there were no LACMs around and there were no organized. You had music programs in school as far as they went. And I took advantage of those as best I could. And I had a couple little courses in college. But in terms of teaching jazz or teaching pop music as an art form, there was no curriculum for that. There were no schools for that. So these kids are, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm so glad that I can jump into that arena and take part in that. You know? Yeah, for sure. I definitely, yeah. there was like the things that I've learned of the, they're just through experience. Me too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, listening, yeah. listening and working with people and, you know, going up to people and say, you wrote that. How'd you do that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah everything we do in Songtown is based on what we wish we had coming up, you know, we, we try to think of all the things that would have helped us that we had to kind of figure out on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had some people ask me, you know, they would say, well, why every minute that you're spending teaching people and working with students, you're not writing songs. Why would you do that? You know, what, what would your answer be to that? What do you mean? Like I learn from my students. Like that's the craziest thing in the world. Like, man, yeah. I'm not that old. I'm 40 years old. Like life for me, like is about learning. Like everything is about learning. So, you know, I'm a better writer because I teach. I don't know about anybody else. Like I'm a better musician, I'm a better producer.
because Absolutely. I teach. Like it's Couldn't like agree more, man. if yeah. you yeah. can't put into words in the simplest sense those concepts that you know, then I don't think you really know them. Like I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Hey, that's like asking somebody why did they do anything but work. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. you do things you love to do that, that informs your work and helps your work breathe. I, unless you're Diane Warren, you can't spend <laughs> 18 hours a day in a studio, you know, huddled over a computer or a guitar or a keyboard. I mean, I love that stuff. I love it. But guess yeah. what? I love my wife, my kids. I love playing softball. I love going to the gym and I love teaching. You got it. And I always tell my kids, I had this one kid this semester, this quarter, um, who is really feeling like, and, and I'm sure you go through this too all the time. You get people saying, I have a writer's block. I'm not inspired. I can't do anything, you know? And, and, and I was like, well, are you hanging out with people? Are you taking advantage of the college experience? This is a college too, you know? You, mm-hmm. Well, not really. I'm like, well, take a day off and just go to the movies, you know, go to a party, man. Yeah. Just go, you know, play ball or something, go out and do something different because first of all, you got to free your mind. And second of all, you have to have experiences to have things to write about. Write about exactly. It's like fuel. It's like yeah. creative fuel. You're not living Otherwise, anything. You're not experiencing anything. What do you have to output? How do you get inspired by life yeah. if you're not experiencing life? Yeah, sure. So, yeah. yeah. So. You know, I think there's also for me anyway. There's the there's real joy in in helping somebody reach their dream. You know, and or or just chase their dream. You know, and it's it's fun to me. I, I used to t- I used to be a minister in a former life, and um, one of the things that I, I thought about then was like people who were new new Christians brought a lot of life to the church because they had this excitement that a lot of older people have you know kind of lost. And when I look at my peers, you know, there's there's a lot of them that become jaded by the music business or they're not as successful as they used to be or, or, or whatever. And seeing these people that are excited about writing songs it just give keeps me having that creative energy and that fire, I think, to keep doing it myself. It renews you. Yeah. Renews you. Yeah. It reminds Absolutely. me why you got into it and how excited you used to be and gives you the excitement. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're doing things, they're writing things that like I could never think to like to write, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, they grew up with the, the, not only with computers and phones and stuff, so that there's it's like things that we're trying to figure out. How do I use that app? I mean, what it's kind of like <laughs> it's unconscious for them. They don't even have to think about it. But yeah, they're so in tune with the vernacular of this moment, the way people speak, the way they're interacting, the apps they're using for dating. I mean, everything about this world, which I left behind, I didn't leave the world behind, but I mean, it's, I'm a grown up now. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to meet someone. I'm not going through that. I'm not on the street, hanging out in clubs. We used to, I'm, you know, I'm a family guy at this point. I'm still a rock and roller at heart, but so I love (laughs) learning stuff from these kids, you know, they keep teaching you stuff. So it's fantastic. Absolutely, Love it. What's one piece of advice you would give anybody trying to start out as a songwriter? You take this one first, Jamil. Um, I think for me, it's, well, two things. Like one thing, I mean, you talked about it earlier. Uh, you know, writing songs is like traveling, right? Like my daughter lives in Philadelphia, right? I'm here in LA. I could take a bus to Philly. I could take a boat around <laughs> South America. 
I could walk, I could crawl on, on my knees, right? I could fly in a plane, right? So anybody tells you there's one right way to write a song, they're lying, you can tell them I said that, right? right. So okay. there's no, no one right. right way. But also for me, I think the biggest thing for me has been just, just looking at what, like emulating, just looking at, at songs that I love, yeah. that I think are great songs, Stevie Wonder yeah. songs, and just looking at it and just seeing, oh, what did he do right there? Oh, yeah. that's what works. It's like, find the things that you love and, and that touch you and, and, and impact how you feel and emotionally about songs and just take a deeper look at it and just see why, maybe why it works. And then that's try great. to, you know, just try to, try to take some element because all you are as a songwriter, is just everything that you've, you've experienced. So yeah. you know, look at what you've been taking in and just see why it works. And then hopefully you can, you know, use that and channel that in your songwriting. Yeah, that's great. I Jared, would say on, on a creative, I, I'd separate the question into creative and business. And on a creative level, I would say exactly what Jamil said with one additional coda, which is uh, listen a lot, explore a lot, be wide open to suggestion, but also realize it's an, everyone, everyone's a critic. Opinions like assholes. So you got to take everything with a, not just a grain, but a pound of salt. You have to find those mentors whom you know really who, you know, really care about you and really have your interests at heart as opposed to they're just kind of boosting their own ego by advising you and saying, hey, I know how to do this. And let me show you how to do it. You got to find those, even one person who really is in your corner who can say, hey, let's, I want to help. Let me, let me help you. If you can find that one person, you're really blessed. That's a, that's a great thing. And just listen a lot. Listen to what's out there. Listen to old stuff. Listen to the great stuff from the 60s and 70s. Stevie, I mean, that that's the pinnacle. I mean, aspire, dream really, really big in terms of your creativity as well as on a business level. You got, I always tell these guys, you can't just anybody, when you get to a certain level of craft, whether you have this immense talent or not, I say the example, I, if someone locked me in a, in a closet and they said, you can't come out until you've written a song. Three minutes later, three minutes and 12 seconds later, I'd be tapping on the door. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, when you get to be craftspeople, as we all are, you, I could write a song in three minutes. I just, I know the craft. I could do it. It'd probably be horrendous, but, you know, here's a song, okay? Yeah. But that's not good enough. You have to aspire to something great. You have to aspire to, look what's out there. I mean, look at Spotify has, what, 80 million songs on it or something right now, and only like a thousand of them actually are any kind of regular rotation. You have to, to break through. You have to try to do something great. But at the same time, you can't look up at the top of the mountain. You can only go one step at a time. Get a little better right. each day. You know, try to just improve your craft and work at it. And then on a business level, I always tell these guys, it's the music business. We love making music. If it were up to me, I would never do any business. I would just be a creative person all the time. But guess what? That's not reality. So you have to treat it like a business and a profession also. It's not like, oh, I don't feel like writing today. Nobody's saying you have to be an accountant and get up at eight and work until six every day. I don't believe in writing like that. Some people it works great for. I don't work like that. If I have a project, I might be working 20 hours straight. But generally, I work in spurts the way I want to. And I bring, I do business, I do creative, I do meetings, whatever. But it's still your profession. It's what you get up in the morning, you go to the gym, whatever you eat, and then you work. It's not like, oh, I don't feel like it. You know, Treat it as a job. It's still your job. So, yeah. I think it was Stephen King that said uh, writer's block is a luxury afforded only to amateurs. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell my students that all the time. There's like, yeah. There's, oh, you know, in writers, like, I don't got it, but I still got to yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. 
all of us have had the experience, right, of sitting at keyboards or guitars or whatever we write with and just like day after day going, I suck. I'm horrible. I'm never going to write. But that's not failure. That's a path that's leading you through one closed, closed gate, closed gate, closed. Oh, that's not going to work. That's going to work. Oh, that's the one, you know, because eventually you stumble on something that does work, you know, but you're never going to yeah. hit that home run if you don't come up to the plate. Right. Yeah. And you can't, uh, you get the call from Lizzo or Whitney Houston to come over and do, you can't go, I'm just not feeling it. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> or <laughs> like, find somebody ready, who is. Are you ready for the session? No, I didn't feel like preparing for the session yesterday. I don't have the chart. Sorry. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that ya. works once. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for your heart, for teaching, all that kind of stuff. We'll put uh, stuff in the show notes. If you have links you want people to check out, uh, but uh, pay attention to the Bodyguard 30th anniversary, Lizzo's Christmas record, and uh, check out what these guys have done. Hope you enjoyed that. We've kept you after school just a little bit today on this episode, so we won't have a song. Check out the show notes to get more information on Judd and Jamil, and also to learn more about Songtown and our sponsor. Songtown and Songwriting is sponsored by Sweetwater Gear. Uh, they've got instruments, every kind of recording gear imaginable. Uh, it's unbelievable all the stuff they carry, and we're proud to have them sponsor the show. So check it all out in the show notes. We'll see you soon. Take care. <laughs>